If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Adventure has its own style. It's made of tall trees, unpaved trails, and at the center, the most capable Subaru Forester yet. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. It comes with 9.2 inches of ground clearance paired with standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and advanced dual-function X-Mode. Discover adventure on a deeper level. The 2024 Subaru Forester Wilderness. To explore all you can do with the rugged Subaru Wilderness family of vehicles, visit Subaru.com slash wilderness. Fueled by the Outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Chris Leppert, and tonight we're joined by Corey Godar? Godar. Godar. Okay, that's easier to say. Um, How you doing tonight, man? Doing good. Appreciate you having me. No problem, man. Uh, Glad to have you. Um, So... As I told you before, uh, tell tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, tell everybody, uh, you know, your career, family, where you're from, all that. Yeah, um, Cincinnati guy, uh, born on the west side, grew up on the west side, went to the same grade school, high school and college as my dad, <laughs> you know, did uh, that whole ordeal, but went to the University of Cincinnati, um, studied computer information systems, got, uh, <clears throat> got out of that, started working in... Uh, the vacation rental world, um, work for a company down on the Gulf coast. Uh, we market vacation homes and do the web design, web development, uh, all the digital marketing stuff. Um, so we I started doing that with my uncle Joe. Um, he's a big hunter guy, got me into hunting. And, um, so I still do that today. Um, and then other than that, just <laughs> spend every moment I can outside and hitting the woods. Nice, man. So, I saw recently you were engaged to be married, right? Yep. My yeah. wonderful fiance Shannon. So there you go. Um She's my rock. When's the uh when's the date? Or have you picked one? October second. October second. Yeah. Don't get married during hunting season, that's all I hear, but I'm getting married power during move. hunting season. That's a power <laughs> move, guys. Um so she's gonna hate me from the start. Um so how long have you been uh how long have you been fishing and hunting and all that? Oh, I've been fishing forever, um, as long as I can remember. My dad and my uncle grew up fishing a ton. My uncle was actually on tour fishing for a while and nice hardcore into it. Um, so ever since I can remember, we've been fishing. Um, hunting, I did not get into hunting until I was right at the end of high school. Okay. All right. Cool deal. Um, and how long have you been filming and editing and all that? So for me, 
I started filming as soon as I started hunting. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Um, the first time I ever went hunting was with my Uncle Joe, and he brought a camera, and we filmed it and made a YouTube video of it, out of it. So oh. that, was, that was day one. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, I actually missed the buck that night, and uh, I said a bunch of cuss words and <laughs> <laughs> ended up taking the video down off his YouTube, and I don't even know <laughs> if he knows I took it down, but um, <laughs> it was just embarrassing all around, but I, he got me hooked. Nice. That's pretty cool. So, man, wait till you see the the turkey video that we release here in a couple weeks. It's full of cursing. <laughs> it's insane. Um, people are going to hate me after that. Um, so, I wanted to have you on here because I saw a video that you had posted um, on your YouTube channel. Uh, a lot of local people, I think, were sharing it. As, as I have to say, it's done really well, and I, I have a few of what I guess I would call my favorite YouTube channels that I follow, because the fact of the matter is, even though we're all trying to get to, you know, point X or whatever, we also, anybody who's a YouTuber watches YouTube, I feel like. Mm -hmm. I don't watch any of the cable stuff or anything like that, so when I watched your video, I was actually very impressed, and... um not only is like the filming and the editing done well, but it's a good story. And, uh, I think a lot of people can appreciate that. So, uh, if you can, uh, first tell us your YouTube channel and, uh, a little bit about that. And then, uh, let's go into your season breakdown. Yeah. Um, our group's called the hunting junkies and we started that going on probably four years. Okay. Um, same thing on Instagram, same thing on uh, Facebook, but we started with a, just a group of dudes on the west side of Ohio, or west side of Cincy, and um, a couple guys I knew from high school, and one guy in particular, Sean Wright, a huge bow hunter. Um, everybody knows him around here. I know you awesome know him from guy. Cabela's. And, yep. Um, Sean's super knowledgeable hunter. Um, Thomas is now married to my cousin, and Thomas is just a diehard hardcore outdoorsman, you know, diehard, eats, breathes, and sleeps bow hunting. Yep. Um, he just moved to Florida with my Uncle Joe, and Joe is, you know, kind of the whole backbone of this, and I can't tell my hunting story without talking about Joe because, one, he's like a role model to me, but, two, sure. he, he's like a, you know, a best friend, but the guy is a phenomenal hunter. And in 2012, he shot a 223-inch buck. <sighs> Um, free range at our family farm. And then that year, you know, he was tagged out, so he took me hunting, and that's how I started hunting on that farm. Oh, Literally a week, week after he shot that. Um, so that was – I was hooked, you know what I mean? You, you see, like, some of your family shoot that. and Yeah. Um, but he – his biggest regret, he always says, is I didn't get on film. And so the first day he took me hunting, we brought a camera, we filmed it. And so I just always knew hunting is you bring a camera and you film it. That's just what you do. Nice. Um, so, <clears throat> I mean, fast forward, you know, we've, we've been filming hunting, but we've never, there's levels to filming hunting. And sure. You, we've never uh, started making videos till the last few years and started putting together and trying to grow that aspect of it. But um, I've always filmed and then probably the last like three years we've really started trying to like 
make sure everything's recorded and tell the full story and put together a real video. Okay. Um, but yeah, our, our group's hunting junkies. We got a couple other dudes, uh, Dylan and John, uh, just phenomenal hunters. John hunts in Northern Kentucky and his dad shot a 167 there this year. John shot a 143. Uh, nice. Yeah. So we, we should have a pretty good season coming up with a lot of real solid dudes and real, uh, yeah. good crew of people. Okay. I like what I'm hearing. So, do you guys do other things um, on your YouTube channel other than deer hunting? Yeah. Um, you're probably going to see a lot more fishing soon. Um, okay. Thomas and Joe literally moved to Destin, Florida full-time. So. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. We, uh, we, our company that we work for down there is DestinFlorida.com. So, um, okay. We do you know all the vacation rentals, the fishing charters, the... <laughs> You name it. Um, so you got it made. Yeah, so you got we're, it made in shape we're gonna be taking some some work trips and uh, <laughs> getting out on the boat. But that's awesome. Yeah, I'm looking looking forward to that a lot. So probably a lot more fishing, um, but deer hunting, no doubt, is our our backbone. Okay, and you said uh, I I watched your channel. Um, I saw some pretty good turkey hunts on there. Looks like you guys got into some piles of birds, mm-hmm. and. Um, we we're talking earlier, and you did mention something. Uh, you you had like an uh, upcoming elk trip, right? Yep. So um, <laughs> Thomas and I are going DIY out to Colorado this year. Um, we're going the second weekend of September and just doing it. So. You could literally not even have an elk in the entire state and come home with the greatest footage. Mm-hmm. Everywhere you look, it's like cinematic. It's amazing. Have you been out west? I've never been west. So you've never even been out there? No. Oh, dude. No. You'll, so you will literally catch yourself just staring at things. And it's it's one of those things where it's almost like it proves that God exists or something. Like you just see things and you're like, God. It, it's so incredibly gorgeous. We're, I mean, we're looking forward to it. We've been talking about it. We were supposed to get last year, and a couple plans fell through. And I don't know. I I feel like it's like the cliche thing to do right now to jump out west and go do DIY and all that. But it's, you know, we've it's it's kind of just feels like something we're supposed to be doing. Well, it it is a a guy of your caliber with filming and editing and hunting and all this. um, That's where you're going to go have so much fun and. God, if if you guys are blessed with success out there, you'll think white-tailed deer are so stupid. Like, <laughs> when I went out there pronghorn hunting, I went rifle hunting for pronghorn. Sounds like the most boring thing ever. It is not. Now, there's ways to make it boring, obviously. A lot of people do it from a truck, basically, and it's almost shopping. Mm-hmm. We did a backcountry thing, and it was not what people made it out to be they're like you got to shoot this size goat because it's with a rifle and i'm like i got out there the first day and we've put in like four miles and i've seen two goats and one was a dink and i'd actually missed it because it was bedded we're walking through the sagebrush and it's bedded down and i just happened to look up and i'm like oh god my rifle's on my back on my pack there's a speed goat standing in front of me with its doe at 
120 yards or whatever, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is my chance right here. And so I shot at it and missed as I was, like, running at 200 yards or something like that. But um, I ended up getting on some more, but none of them were big. The, the, whole, the whole time, I think we hunted for, like, five days or something, four or five days. Because uh, we had tags there. Then I had doe tags in the southern part of Wyoming. So we were in the north part of Wyoming. And we had deer tags in Nebraska. So we were spread pretty thin. So we just wanted to kill, 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 and, you know, have fun, have some meat, come home with something. So I decided the first pronghorn I saw I was shooting. I didn't care. It was dying. And I pulled a stalk on one not long after that. And I think I made it to within like 30 yards of this thing. And I pulled the scope up. There's seven of them. They were all does, but this one. But he had one antler, one horn. And I thought, oh, man, come on. So I let him walk, which with a seven millimeter magnum, he's done. (laughs) And then not long after that, I, I think it was... 20 minutes we spotted some others and I, I made a shot that I still don't understand how I we crawled through like cactus and cacti and um, all these different little prickly plants and sage and all this stuff and I got seated and I ranged it and it was right around that 325 mark and hunting here you never shoot that far You don't even practice that far. So I'm looking at it and immediately I'm like, man, that's so far. I don't, I don't think that I can make that shot, but this is what I have. So let's try it. And I missed the first shot and they just stood there. Normally they run full balls. And so I racked one and I treated it like archery because at this point I'm figure eighting back and forth on and off of this animal to the point where when I come off to the left, which is the front of the animal, probably 18 inches off that animal. Like it's, it's out there. I don't have a good scope or anything. So, um, I was like, you're just going to have to time it as good as you can. And hopefully the shot breaks clean and, uh, at the right time. And I smoked it. <laughs> I mean, it it was insane. I watched him wheel, and I was like, oh, I think I hit him. And as soon as he wheeled 180 degrees, he started running down the mountain. And you could just see blood pouring out of the middle of his body. And I'm like, pretty sure I got him pretty good that time. And still, he ran probably because it was downhill, and he's a speed goat. But he ran like 150 yards before he died. And the whole time, I'm like, well, this is bullshit. I just shot this thing with a seven millimeter. They're tiny too. They're the size of like a big button buck here or a yearling doe or something. They're not big. And that's the buck. Um, I see all these people shooting elk and they drop in their tracks with a 300 or seven mil yeah. mag. And so it starts running. I'm like, I, how is this thing even alive right now? It's supposed to drop. That's not all it's cracked up to be. So um you'll you will definitely appreciate the west 
way more because when we went out there, you see certain days you see hundreds of animals, whether it be, you know, pronghorn and mule deer or, you know, elk when we were hunting in Nebraska, Nebraska of all places, we saw seven bull elk. I saw my first wild bull elk in the mountains of Nebraska. So we found freaking sheep tracks and incredible. Her Nebraska is unreal. It is, and it so it's extremely difficult because when you go out there early season, I can only imagine what it would be like in late October through November out there. Mm-hmm. It would definitely be unreal. Early season was very difficult, and the mule deer, mule deer in Nebraska are not high in population like they are in a Wyoming or Colorado. So when people have mule deer. They will not even talk about the mule deer. We walk into gas stations and it's nothing to go get to hunt whitetail. They'll let you, private land people a lot of times will let you hunt speed goats and stuff on their farms, but nobody touches the mule deer. So when I was out there, I was on public, of course, for the majority of it. But the mule deer, we found some velvet giants, but they were probably... Between 100 and 150 yards from the line. Now, I know guys that would go shoot that deer and drag him over and nobody would ever know. But A, when you're filming, you can't do that, obviously. And B, if you want to set the example for people, you can't can't be the person that you're preaching against. So I couldn't do that. And it killed my soul because there's mule deer right here. But I'm not allowed to do anything. So uh, it was very difficult. But again, November, totally different ball game because they're not bachelored up and go. I mean, we went twice and you could literally time them on the trail and find them near the road at the exact same time every evening. And it was wild. Like you couldn't pattern deer here like that to save your life. Yeah. So. I think you'll have a lot of fun out there, man. Um, tell me a little bit about your uh, – I don't want to give too much away because I want people to go and watch your video. It's called uh, Bow Hunting Cincinnati, right? Correct. Okay. So um, without giving too much of it away, tell me a little bit about some uh, trials and tribulations throughout your season as well as some uh, notable high points maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, would you be all right if I start with – kind of why I was doing the video this way and yeah I can do that absolutely um the way I have always hunted or how I got into hunting was a little different than most I think in that I was fortunate to be around a beautiful piece of private land um, that had harvested a 223 inch buck and um that's what I knew you know every year we go and plant food plots every year we we hang our our 15 foot ladder stands that are metal, put them yep. on the tree, leave them there for 15 years and don't touch them. <laughs> um, that, that was hunting to me. And I, I have a huge part of my heart for that part of hunting. And, Absolutely. um, from there, you know, I, I got back into it when I would go home, you know, that that's about two hours from my house. Um, and started hunting neighborhoods, you know, I'm strictly came up as a sub- suburban bow hunter. Oh, love it. Yeah. Um, I shot my first buck about like, 17 to 20 yards out of my neighbor's backyard um <laughs> about 50 yards from my parents uh front door 
Uh, wow. Yeah, we <laughs> we uh, we call them hot tub bucks. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, we. I shot a buck probably about 19 yards from a hot tub in a different neighbor's yard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. It. That's how I learned to hunt. You know what I mean? I hunted, yeah. hunted suburbs, hunted neighborhoods. You, you got permission. You asked the people you knew. Um, and I love doing that. Um, but to me, I, I'm a very active person. My brain doesn't stop. I don't want to sit in the same spot. I want to move mm-hmm. and do things differently. Um, so I, I spent a few years doing that. And there was two years that one, I shot a buck about four minutes into season. I tagged out. Um, Two years after that, I shot a buck about a half hour in the season. Um, and Jeezel. it's great, great to do that, you know, um, but you don't hunt, you don't learn. Sure. And it, it's success without the trials and tribulations. And, and it's, I mean, it's just not a, you know, kind of what you just hit on. It's, it's not a challenge. Yeah. It doesn't challenge yeah. you. It. There's a whole world to that that I love. I I will suburban hunt till the day I die. Absolutely. Um, but I just found myself wanting to try the next thing and do something different. And so I, I started figuring out the mobile hunting thing. Um, I've always had a climber. My dad's old climber. Yeah. Um, moved around some bigger suburban parcels uh, and did that. But um, Now, what is a bigger suburban parcel? 20 acres. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ability to move yeah. around. I mean, I'm... I'm That's a pretty good one. Yeah, usually hunting a half acre, you know, or yes. an acre. Um, and you're knocking on door to get permission. Not even get permission, but to be able to just hope that you can retrieve the deer if you even get lucky enough to shoot one, you know? Yes. Um, it. I had a lot of fun doing that. I still do that. But I wanted to test myself, go into public. I wanted to try something new. I wanted to be mobile, and I wanted to see basically the... My challenge to myself was, is I want to kill a deer with no bait, no trail cameras, and I never want to sit in the same spot. Okay. And so that is how I got into uh, this season. Uh, last season, I picked up saddle hunting. Um, we, I was telling you this before, we, we built our own saddles. We, uh, I call them the Greg, Greg Godfrey specials. Um, watch his, you know, DIY sportsman or not DIY. Yeah, that's Garrett. Uh, he's a G2 outdoors. Yeah, G2 outdoors and, um, built, built the, the saddles and, um, started hunting the parks, got in the park programs. Okay. I liked that a lot because that gave me the ability to move around. Absolutely. Started playing the game of cat and mouse and, and not relying on the handicaps of trail cameras and not relying on the handicaps of bait. And I fell in love with that. You know, yeah. I started feeling like I was, I was hunting and not killing. And to me, that was just this beautiful challenge. And, um, so I got a, I got a real saddle. I got the, uh, the tethered phantom and, um, uh, got my mobile set. And this year I, I was pretty much dead set on just strictly hunting public land. And for no reason, you know, it, other than I just wanted to do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, if you watch the video, I, I don't kill it. I end up killing a buck, but it's not on public land. Um, the reason for that being is the closest piece of public to my house is probably about an hour and 10 minutes. Um, so early season when the clock's still right before the time change, I can, yes, I can drive in the morning and do a morning hunt. Yep. I can go after work. Um, you know, obviously on the weekends, but once that time changed, you know, for me to get out to a decent spot on public, 
for a morning hunt, I'm probably waking up at 2.45. Yes. And you do that enough times, <laughs> it drains me, especially in mid-January, you know, and it's oh, freezing cold, and dude. You know, that alarm clock goes off, and that's rough. Stuff. 2.45? Yeah. That's incredible. Oh. But, it, I, I mean, so that early season, it's not bad, you know. How, how far of a drive was it from your place to mine? About an hour ten. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to have to have you show me on a map about where you are. <laughs> wow. It, it's, yeah. So, I mean, that was part of the challenge, though, too, is I, I'm not scouting as much because this place isn't in my backyard. Right. You know, and so I'm, I'm showing up to this place on the day I want to hunt, and one, I've never been there. You know, I, I've been there in the summer to walk around a little bit, but some of these pieces of public are so big, you, you, need, you need a week to walk them all and yep. you can't you show up one to two days to scout and you're picking out four or five spots but you're you're missing half of it and what i found is a lot of those spots go bad in about a week when mm-hmm. you realize that's the same spot that 20 other hunters picked mm-hmm. and um but anyways that that was my goal and it was to hunt and kill a deer on public land just simply because i i wanted to see as a personal challenge to myself that I can totally drop everything I know, change the game, and see if I can figure it out. Absolutely. And I, I think that speaks volumes about a hunter because at the end of the day, so everybody has their own set of goals. And you're also hunting for you. You're not hunting for me or to impress anybody. And uh, that's one thing that I can appreciate because I'm kind of sort of in that same boat. I never hunted public land. I, I went turkey hunting one time on public land when they first started the youth turkey season. And I messed it up as a teenager, and my uncle about rang my neck, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I didn't start until 2017. My buddy Matt got me into it. And we won't mention the name, but we were at the same place you were. And uh, the whole time I just remember thinking, which... You say in your video, you're like, man, I just, I don't see a lot of people making it this far back here. And you just, you feel like you have your own slice of heaven to yourself. And sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, and that can be rough. But um, going from private land, and I'm same way, I kill a lot of my bucks in suburbia and uh, small parcels and stuff like that. That's kind of my, what I'll call specialty or whatever. And that has its own own challenge, especially if you're targeting mature, you know, bigger deer. But the challenge of public land and how different everything is, finding those little pockets and hunting pressure, I think, is what's super appealing. And sort of what you said, you know, you don't you don't have bait, and I'm a bit like they call me the master baiter on that Facebook page. Um, cause I'll throw huge corn piles out or whatever. So I don't have to go back and do it again a week from now, but, um, not having to use bait, not using trail cameras, not doing anything, reading the sign or topography, which generally the two will coincide, uh, and picking a good spot. And then, you know, and I've, I've seen a couple of good deer on public, but nothing crazy, but even, when I first went out and hiked, I think I went two and a half miles in. This is not with a hanging hunt setup. This is with a summit climber, 
and a backpack and a bow all strapped together on my back. Where's with, Anya? <laughs> with the shitty summit straps, not nice pack straps. And I'm just like hoofing it and hoofing it and trying and trying to find sign. And then, you know, it's morning and it's dark and uh, I spook deer and I'm pissed about it. And everywhere you go, there's horse trails or human trails or whatever. And then finally I find some sign and things I like and get set up. And lo and behold, a little buck walked under me. And that was probably the first time I ever thought about shooting a yearling buck in a decade or more. I thought, oh my God, I was able to go to the middle of nothing where I had never been and get on deer. That's kind of cool. It's very cool. And so I, I get that. And, and the other thing, there's like a sense of adventure to it mm-hmm. where you know, it's like, it's where we get to play pretend like we're out West. And so that's where, uh, I hosted some guys from Georgia this year and they came up and I took them to a spot that I know. And, uh, they put a pretty good, it was a, about a Pope and young. It was 123 inches. It was a beautiful buck. They killed it and called me. It was actually the day that I filmed that big three-year-old I showed you. And, uh, they called me and said, hey, you still got that elk pack? And I was like, yeah, why? We killed a buck about a mile and a half in, man. We need some help. And I'm like, on my way. (laughs) So we got to the deer. I want to say we got to the deer at like 10 o'clock at night or something. And this is like an hour and a half from here or something. And um, I showed them how to do the. You ever do the gutless method on a deer? I've seen it. Never done it. It's, it's cool. It's yeah. actually the only way to do a deer from now. Like, I've heard that. It's so nice because you, you don't have to drag. Yeah. You put it on your back and leave, and it's already, like, you literally take it home and put it in a fridge or cooler or whatever and let it bleed out for a couple of days and then debone the meat and you're good. You don't have a carcass to deal with. And it's kind of like, uh, not to get too hippie-ish on you, but you're kind of recycling and giving that to the, the coons and the buzzards and the, the bugs and whatever eats the carcass and everything. And, um, not to mention the soil. So, uh, but that was probably one of the neatest things I did this year is help them. Uh, I took, which I'll show you afterwards. I took some gorgeous, uh, video and pictures of the guy. It was his biggest buck and he bow killed it in the rut in Ohio. And he's from Georgia and, Anybody that's in the East that isn't in Ohio pretty much dreams of going to Ohio unless they live in either Kentucky or Indiana. Yep. I mean, this is the place to be. The only other places you really want to go is like maybe Missouri, Illinois, Iowa, and Kansas, and those are a 1,000 miles away. So it was just really cool to, to be a part of that and pack an animal out and just do the whole thing. It's just a little mini adventure. So I, I totally get it, man. I, I really do. So there's a thing about it that you either, you love killing or you love hunting. And yeah. I, I love the success of killing, but there's something about the adventure of hunting and that yep. chase that, yeah, that's what drives me. Yeah. And it's, you know, you had another, per, uh, not perspective, but, um, another avenue to that or whatever uh the camaraderie like 
when you go out with a buddy or two or something and somebody has success or something cool happens, like it just totally, totally changes the entire story and just makes it all worthwhile. I went out to some public land and we did a deer gun drive during deer gun season. It's probably a blast. Literally and figuratively. We <laughs> saw deer on almost every push on public land and I killed a doe. I think she was a yearling doe, a little one and a half year old doe uh, that I was telling you that I free handed with that Bushmaster. And one of the favorite deer that I've ever killed in my life. We were driving down the gravel road and they spotted a buck and a couple of does standing there in the middle of the field. And this is probably 45 minutes before dark. We're leaving. We're on our way out. We got dinner at church. And uh, it was me, my buddy Aaron, Thomas, and his brother. And they spotted the deer, and everybody's rushing to get out. But I didn't see anybody grab their guns, and I'm kind of known as the aggressor. I grab my gun, I'll, I'll shoot it. I'll shoot something. You know, I love, I love success. I love the adventure, but at the end of the day, I want to kill something if I can. So loaded it up. One of the guys walked with me as a spotter to show me exactly where they were so I knew, you know, what was what. And then the other two glassed the deer, just like you were out west or something. And I I shot. One of them said, you hit it because they heard the impact. And we were able to go down there and find her immediately. And it was just so epic how it worked out and uh, just felt like a huge team effort. And just, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. And it kills me because we were in such a hurry. I didn't take a single damn picture, video, anything. And I'm the guy that's bitching at everybody else, you know, like, <laughs> did you get any footage? But um, it was just so cool. So, you know, again, I, I get it, man. It's um, it's just something different. And again, it's different. targeting big deer, whether it be on public or private, is fun. But going out for a little little adventure with your buddies and uh, getting some good footage and stuff is, mm-hmm. yeah, there's something to be said for that. Yeah, I, I'm all for it. I still want to kill as big a deer as anybody, you know. Yeah. Um, what is your biggest deer, by the way? Mid-30s. Mid-30s? Okay. Yeah. That's, you know, there's a lot of, it's so tough for me to talk about this because I'm on both sides of the story. So most of the time I'm not picking up my bow for a deer that is in the mid thirties, but the deer that I wounded at the end of the year that kind of trucked my season. I'm not sure he was a hundred inches. He was a huge five pointer, but, and he was a mature deer, but he had character and everything and all that. And, uh, I didn't really have another deer to target. And I thought that'd be a really cool deer to fill my tag on. And it was a new farm that I'd picked up as well. Um, so I was kind of learning it and, um, but at the same rate, 135 inch deer is pretty good deer. Like that's not anything yeah. to, I don't think people realize at. how big a 130, you know, everybody sees a buck and it's got to be a 150. Like, it's one, yeah, 150 is the number. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're exactly right. They see a 155 and I'm like, so you saw a 130. Yeah. You saw a nice three-year-old or four-year-old mm-hmm. probably. And you got your heart rate up, which, again, 
130, 100. Once you get to about 135, to me, that's a big deer generally. I mean, you could look at a deer that's 135 and he's young and tell that. And while he scores that, say that's not a big deer. But once you get to that, that's pretty much that. You reach 140, you're cooking. Oh, yeah. Um, and then anything over that, I mean, that's just like bonus points to me. Yeah. Um, I kind of went backwards. I, I, again, I, I got into hunting the year I watched my uncle shoot at 200. Well, that. And that's, I, you know, to me, now the next day, I want to go shoot at 200. You know, sure. I, I'm starting hunting and the next year. I'm thinking I need to shoot 150s, and that's what happens. And you see that picture and everything, and see, did you get to see it in person as well? Uh, I did not, but it's mounted in our cabin. Okay. I see oh, it all the time. And, nice. Um, so but, you see a deer like that, that's got to kind of ruin you a little bit to where you're like. It put a unnecessary pressure on myself. Yeah. Um, and an and unrealistic expectation. Unrealistic expectation. But I, I spent a few years, one, passing deer I probably should have shot. Um, two, like just not shooting deer. And then when I would see deer that were decent, I'd get so nervous because I thought mm-hmm. it was such a big deal that, you know, I'd psych myself out and miss. And, yep. um, are you familiar, familiar with, uh, major league bow hunter? Uh, Absolutely. Jeff, chipper, Jeff Danker, Chipper Jones. Yeah. Um, so Jeff Danker and Daniel McVeigh came out to our cabin. Um, I think two years after Joe shot that buck and they were going to lease our cabin. And wow. So Jeff came out there. Um, we scouted the land and, I mean, just one of the coolest guys you'll ever talk to. Guy sure. It's just a true big buck slayer. And Yeah. Um, the end of the night, we got back to the cabin, and he's looking at the wall, and, um, you know, somebody like him truly admires a 200-inch deer. You know, sure. He, he knows. And he's talking to Joe, and he looked at me, and he goes, Corey, where's yours? Like, Jeff, I don't have one up there yet. <laughs> <laughs> he laughed, and he's like, what's the problem? And I'm like, well, I passed this. I missed that. You know, I got nervous here, and. And the one thing he said to me, he goes, Corey, you know how I became a big buck killer? And I was like, how's that? And he goes, I killed a whole bunch of little bucks. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> you kill a pile of little ones, like, and then you set your standard a little higher. Yeah. And I, I always tell people like that. My buddy, he's passing like 130-inch deer, and he's never killed a buck. And I'm like, he sent me a picture of him. And I'm like, what are you doing? And then he finally, uh, after two years in his third year, I believe it was, 16, 17, yes, 18, uh, the year I killed my big one, um, like a month later, he killed his first buck, and uh, it, it damn near hit 140, and I thought, that is like the gospel, um, you got to get your feet wet and get your nerves right and get used to that feeling to suppress it, because it's pretty rare, Um even now, I shot, I killed a little piebald buck in Kentucky that's like 108 inches. Yep. I've never shit. I've never shook like that from the time I was a child to then. I never shook like that drawing a bow. You could hear my re- uh, my arrow bouncing on my rest really bad. It, 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 he had me going. So it's nothing that beats it. No. So, but yeah, uh, that's, that is the truth, man, for sure. So, um, tell me a little bit about your, your season, uh, as far as like ups and downs and stuff like that. 
Yeah. Um, so obviously just hit public hard and I learned quickly that being a public land weekend warrior is a very common thing when you're <laughs> on a big piece of public land. Sure. And, um, I, I thought I was, you know, Mr. Know-it-all map scout and dropping pins and, uh, picking areas. And what I d- was doing is, you know, I'm, I'm picking spots on the map, but I realized everybody else is picking those spots on the map and I'm showing up the hunt. Um, I remember the first cold front of October. It was a Saturday. Um, went in with Cody Bookman from the Buckeye Woodsman who is in the video. Um, yep. <laughs> we got there. There was three got three guys in the parking lot. They went the opposite direction we did. Um, so we went a couple hundred yards up the road and dipped in. Well, I went down a horse trail and there's a field, crop field, um, a few hundred yards away. And I set up uh, what I thought was between the field and where they were going to bet. Um, well, before sunrise, I counted 11 people that passed me. Oh, my God. Um, I sat till about nine. Um, two dudes sat up, sat, or set up within about 80 yards from me. I literally watched them climb the tree with their headlamps on. Um, <laughs> about nine o'clock, here come the deer. Um, the guy in front of me, I'm literally watching him in his climber getting blown up by a buck. Um, the other guy is about 80 yards to his left, gets blown up by a doe. Um, I probably heard, you know, 10, 11 blows and I just got down and went back to my truck. Uh, (laughs) I realized quickly I, I was kind of in over my head. Um, it was going to be a learning experience and the only way I thought I was going to learn is if I stayed out there. Sure. Um, so a lot of days I was just sleeping in my truck at lunch and then scouting and then hunting the afternoon. Um, I just was out there as much as I possibly could. Okay. Um, fast forward, probably close to 15 public land sits. Um, I've seen a lot of, lot of does. Um, and I finally just said, I'm not picking spots on the map anymore. And yep. I took all my hunting gear. I left it in my truck um, I got out there about 11 o'clock in the morning and I just walked and walked and walked. And I finally said, I'm not hunting until I find a scrape. And I walked for probably three hours and I finally Damn. found a scrape on a field edge, like a mile to, I think it was 1.2 from my truck. So I walked back, get my stuff, walked back out there for the evening hunt and I found all the deer. Um, I saw probably 11 11 does, and at the end, towards the end of the hunt, it's on the video. Uh, yeah. I saw a solid, solid public land buck. That, that was a good deer. I, I got my excitement a little yeah. when, I, when I saw that deer in the video. It's kind of a curse, though, because that was like my hook, line, and sinker. Now I'm coming back every day I possibly can. Right. Um, <laughs> but he came out to a crop field, um, didn't have a shot at him. He was too far. Uh, I think another buck came to my right or a predator of some kind and he ran off. Um, you can watch it. But after that, I knew it was possible. Um, so I was yeah. set. And yeah. literally that next morning I found out I had COVID. Oh. So <laughs> it was a roller coaster. You know, I finally found this deer I want to set my you know whole season around. And I had COVID. Um, what was that like for you? Just a, you hear me in the video. I'm sniffling and I'm talking. 
because I had a runny nose. I had a cough, um, but it really wasn't too bad. I was kind of fortunate. Um, Did it kill your energy at all? I was tired. Yeah, yeah, I I didn't realize how bad it was until about a week later. I went out by myself, and I (laughs) I took the kayak. (laughs) Oh, man. I drug the kayak about a half mile, and my goal was is this buck was bedding in an oxbow. And uh, if you come out of that oxbow, there's a CRP field, and you come out of that CRP field, there is a there was a bean field. I watched the buck run into the oxbow, and I knew that if I don't get back there soon, you know, we're coming up on November, things are going to start mm-hmm. start changing. Um, I need to be back in the oxbow. So it's better there for a reason. And for a reason. Um, these type of oxbows are surrounded by one a river, but two a very 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 steep hill behind it. And yep. There's nowhere else for this thing you to be. You can't sneak up on it. Yeah. Other than in, he's in this CRP filter, he's in the back of this oxbow. Yeah. And I need to take my kayak to get back there. So I get in my kayak. I drag my kayak about a half mile to this river. I kayak in by myself. I get all the way back there. I hunt. I don't see him. And now it's pitch black. And I have about a mile and a half kayak up rapids oh. with COVID. Um it's dark and I, I struggled, man. I, my abs were cramping from paddling so hard. I was getting out, walking and pulling my kayak. I, I literally got spun into a tree. My quiver fell off. I lost all my broadheads. I lost all oh my arrows. Oh my arrows. God, my dude. Matthew's quiver sank in the river. For all you people listening right now, here's public land adventure. <laughs> like it's not all rainbows and butterflies. Wow. Yeah. It's fun, but... That's a tough night. Yeah. So, we I, I made it out. I'm fine. And I finally hit the end of my quarantine. And so, I called Cody and I said, dude, we have got to go back there. And so, we, we ground hunted it. Um, we kayaked in together this time. Um, went back as far as we could. Got out. And we just walked and crept the whole oxbow. Um, and we didn't see a deer. And so, we decided... We're just going to get back to the crop field and set up exactly where we saw him come out the night I saw him. The, going now, it's about two weeks, you know. Okay. Um, so we're, what, end of October? Yeah. We're knocking on the door of getting Halloween time. Okay. Um, so we set up, and out come the does, you know, half hour before dark, <clears throat> and probably eight or nine does. And this is in <sighs> this is in the video. Um what we did not get in the video is we decided finally to shoot a doe. We've been through all this. You know, I got it on film. Cody's there filming me. We're going to shoot a doe. And so we stand up to shoot this doe. And the buck is about eight yards to my right and blows. And we did not realize he was in the CRP making his way out. He would have almost ran into us. Oh, and my God. It. And this is... Is this in a tree or on the ground? This is on the ground. I mean, this buck's at eight yards. I'm at full so draw you, So you can't... He blows and, and runs, and Cody's slamming me on the back, like, turn around, turn around, turn around, and nothing. Wow. That is that is very difficult. Yeah. It, it was, but, I mean, it was one of those times, too. We got back to the truck, and, you know, we talked for two hours, and it was one of the hunts I'll remember for the rest of my life, you know? Oh, well, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, that... That was through October, and now it's the rut. Um, 
I, I spent the rut out at my family cabin. Um, Joe and Thomas, who we hunt with, were able to fly into town for the week, so um, we went out there to meet them. Uh, John Schultz came out with us, uh, Rick McCoy, and we spent the week hunting out there, and our cabin's got 50 acres of private land, but it's also next to um, some giant public. So okay. um, I had some great encounters on the private. Um, saw one that was definitely a stud shooter. It's probably... He had broken some tines, but had he not broke his tines, our trail cam pictures of him, he was probably, you know, 140s um, solid. Okay. And, oh, yeah. But even then, I, you know, I, I did that for two, three days, and finally me and Thomas talked, and we're like, let's, let's go hit the public out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ground hunted that hard, and that was fun. That was some of the most fun. If you've never ground hunted and you've always tree stand hunted, like, try it. Started this year, too. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Isn't it nice to not haul a bunch of shit into the yeah. woods at all? Even if you're a saddle hunter, you don't have to climb. You don't have to have a harness. You take something to sit on, and that's it. Mm-hmm. You have a tripod and a camera. You don't have to set up an arm. You have nothing to do. And then when you're done, you just walk out and leave. Yep. You don't have to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really nice. And I'll, I'll be honest, I ground hunted every day of gun season until the Saturday and the first time I got in the tree was the first time I didn't see a deer all week long and uh, I saw deer that evening and didn't kill but um, other than that I just ground hunting to me is great and it's one of those things kind of similar to what you're talking about like you can only make it to spot XYZ once that time change hits Erica comes home and she gets here anywhere between she's a pretty awesome wife actually so Sounds she'll like leave it. she'll leave 15 20 minutes early so she can get here and I can half time but even then I mean I'm I'm Rush. getting to a spot at 4:30 I'm an hour and 20 minutes to set up you know get into a tree set up a camera arm and then hunt and by the time you get up there you sit for a little bit, and then you're like, damn, it's time to get down. So, uh, But it's a great way to quickie hunt, as I call it. It is. It is. Um, and, and you can kind of force encounters. You know, we, we, yes. were, we were just moving. We, we'd go pick a spot, <clears throat> get in there, rattle, you know, make noise, and sit. And we realized it was going to work because the very first time we did it, two does came out of a, a bedding area and walked right at us and Thomas could have shot him at eight yards. That's on video, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I, I remember and that it, moment. That was like, we need to keep doing this. Yeah. And so we spent the next two days just literally running around. I mean, we were hitting, we were hunting what I would hunt in a tree stand in a whole year. We were hunting in a, like two days, you know, where yeah. we were going to every spot and rattling and making noise. And we could have killed two bucks, but they just weren't shooters no, yeah. we filmed them on there and they're little um we saw other ones at distances and i i don't know if we you know you're making a lot of noise you're causing a ruckus when you're doing that um you're getting close to deer now getting close to deer to where you can actually shoot them doing that is a whole nother challenge um i think we definitely had a lot of learning to go there but i mean i'll tell you what is some of the most fun oh absolutely I've ever had and it- Again, you're putting the fun back into hunting. I mean, now, I'm going to ask you this. You can be truthful. How many people would you say, because you're doing this on public land, and this is actually one of the complaints that people have about groups like THP. 
honestly, how many hunters do you think you ran into and maybe messed up their hunt or something like that? Where we were, none. Um, we walked in with a group. So particularly where we were, you're either coming in from one of two spots. Yeah. So it's landlocked and it's very long. Like I'm talking miles long. And so we walked in with a group of guys from the side we came and we walked probably a good mile and a half past where they stopped. Um, so we knew we left all them behind us. Um, sure. Now it probably come, helped them. Probably. But th- this particular piece, it, it's this is different than what I would do in a normal Cincinnati public land. Sure. This piece has a paved bike path through the middle of it, the whole thing. So you're not... Love it. You're not disrupting much. A turkey hunting there yeah. once. It was nice. You're Quiet just walking. Stalking. You know, and... Um, <laughs> on birds, and I'm like, this is awesome, and there's yeah. nobody here. We're deer hunting, and people are riding their bikes and their scooters, you know, 100 yeah. yards away. Um, so, so I don't think too many. Um, we saw one guy the next day, and we just... We saw him for probably two to 300 yards, and we just went the other direction. Yeah. Um, but we... I don't know, man. We covered a lot of ground. <laughs> it, was, it sounds like a blast, dude. It was I, fun. I look forward to doing a lot more of that on public, and that's the way I operated this year. Is I went and had fun like that on public, and said, you know what? I have this, this, and this buck that I'd really love to kill. But if I come by a really good one on public, I'll shoot him, and that'll be fun. Uh, or I'll kill a doe or whatever. But I'm not going to go pressure my little tiny parcels to where there's no deer coming in at all, I'll go have fun on public. And it, it blows my mind. The public that gets hit the worst in Southern Ohio, the pieces that I know where I either I hunt there, I've got buddies that hunt them. There are such great deer populations there and you almost always see animals. It's, it's an, and not one, like five, 10. Yeah. And they adapt to pressure daily and it almost makes me kind of want to make fun of like the traditional public land guys that sneer at the guys who hunt suburbia who think the deer are stupid and all that and they're pets sometimes they are i know uh, indian hill that can be a situation um but like where i'm hunting here and um uh where i'm hunting you know, it's it's suburbia, but they're still not dumb. So, but it's crazy because, you know, if I went to one of my parcels and hunted it three times before November, it's not going to be very good. I'm yeah. not going to be able to kill what I want to kill there. But switch that up on public land, you can adapt and move all around. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest appeals for me being mobile and i know a lot of people a lot of people kind of sneer at the ground hunting thing and you know the saddle hunting thing's kind of a fad or whatever but it i mean it's it's a tool yeah i'm not like a you know die hard have to have my saddle guy right um i love saddle hunting i'm gonna keep saddle hunting um i would do the same thing if i had a nice hanging hunt um sure it the saddle to me i found just through my experience that it was the easiest to self film consistently with. Um, okay. I got that lone wolf, uh, pocket arm. How do you like that? It's the best thing that ever happened to me. Self filming. I'm thinking, I, I want you to check out my arm and see 
what you think of it versus your man i wish i'd have thought of that i'd have had you bring it and we'd have walked out in the backyard um i have the fourth arrow talon mm-hmm. and i like it but man that that lone wolf it's like 157th of the size and even quicker to set up the biggest thing for me um one, I, I blew a 150-inch deer uh, setting up a fourth arrow arm uh, two years ago on opening day at 10 yards. Um, I was trying to raggle in the, the leveler with that little screwdriver thing they got. Um, so that would have been – that was with the – okay. So that I, was before the talon. Okay, yeah, the talon's a lot nicer. I know exactly what you're talking about, and that thing, the little church key thing or whatever. Yep. Yeah, that now, thing sucks. What I, Love you, fourth arrow. Yeah, I, I like fourth arrow a lot. I'm a big fan of their products. They use their um, their GoPro arm that comes out over your head. Oh, the outreach. Yes. Yeah. Um, what I found though is the lone wolf allows you to get rid of the ratchet strap and it allows you to get rid of the base. So you go yeah. from three pieces now to one piece. Mm-hmm. And and it's so small. God. To me, the biggest hurdle that I ran into self filming, and I'm sure a lot of other guys, is just the pain. Mm-hmm. And the easier you can make it on yourself the more you'll do it agreed and that that pocket arm dude i i set that up in a minute you know less and i'm ready to roll it doesn't take up any room in my backpack i put it in the, the water bottle holder it sits on the side the whole thing's there i'm not digging into my pack pulling it out underneath my camera trying to find the base trying to find the ratchet strap clanking it around it it just uh it's perfect in talk my to any self-filmer that quits filming and they'll all tell you the same thing it wasn't fun it was too much weight too much time all that i didn't feel like it well that's why that's actually why i thought man i should try to use my phone again it's not a it's not a canon g50 or whatever but at the end of the day I'm going to keep filming because I just have to stick my phone in a case and stick it on a a little arm. It's not a bunch, which I'm pretty much dead set unless you bring yours over and I don't like it, which I'm going to say, if you like it, I'm probably going to like it. Uh, I'm going to have a lone wolf pocket arm as well, or if something even cooler comes out, but Mm -hmm. I don't know how you're really going to best that. It doesn't get much smaller, more compact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. literally in your pocket and so what do you use like a cam strap yeah it's just like you would cam a uh, cam their tree stands it's a lone wolf strap um see same. that's and i i was watching some videos where like you put that thing on a damn tree branch or yeah. whatever you want which is huge because anybody that uses a saddle sticks steps anything knows that knots and tree branches are always in your way yeah Constantly, I, uh, I set it up on a sapling ground hunting because it it doesn't yeah. have that wide base, so it's so narrow that you can put it on you can put it on anything. I mean, it's so thin. Um, I, I I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm gonna have to check that out, man. Uh, so tell me a little bit a uh, little bit more about your hunt without giving too much of it away. Your season, if you will. Yeah. Um, well, after like. The rut kind of wanted down. I, I shifted gears. Um, the time change and uh, my strategy had to change if I was going to keep getting out as much as I was getting out. Sure. Um, so I resorted to getting back to, we launched a knocking door 
permission campaign to get properties locally um, so I could hunt before work, after work. Um, okay. I, I was still hitting public on the Intelligent. weekends. Intelligent. Yeah. But it it just changed everything I was doing. Um, I was still uh, moving around, um, and I found a lot more success or maybe not success, but encounters that way. Um, I had a rope kind of heartbreaking, but learning experience on a, uh, a local piece that, um, I hunted for, I think it was the first or second time this year hunting it. Um, it was the only place I had a trail camera all year and I didn't put the trail camera up till, uh, mid November because I hit that panic button of, you know, the ruts going by and sure. I got to do something different. Um, and this buck came at me and long story short, I blew a really, really great opportunity. Um, just messed it up. And if you haven't been there, you haven't hunted enough yet. Yeah. (laughs) It's hunting, man, but it probably would have been my biggest buck to date. I would think, Mm. um, he was solid. Um, all good though. You know, fast forward, now it's getting into December. Um, just still hitting public every chance I can on the weekends, grinding that out. Um, and finally it came to January and really hitting that panic button of it's January, you know, the year. Oh yeah. In Ohio, we get till, uh, that first weekend in February, I think mm-hmm. it was the seventh this year. So, yep. um, I talked to John and John and I just started pounding on doors and, it was weird how the year worked out for us, but, uh, I had a buddy shoot me a text, uh, telling me about, he's seen a bunch of deer in his parents' yard and he's like, dude, come on over here. And this is a kid I, you know, I lived with him in college, known from high school, oh, nice. you know, his family. And he's like, my parents will for sure give you permission. And we went over there and that's it, always nice. It was, but it wasn't the, the land was not even huntable. Um, it was such a steep hill in his backyard. You could hardly walk it. Um, but oh, wow. we're sitting there in his driveway and decided to try the neighbor's house. Um, we're literally kind of disappointed. Um, but we go over to the neighbors and nice couple, they give us permission. Um, this is where I end up, ended up harvesting my buck. Um, I didn't harvest the buck though, because we got permission from these people. It was probably because we ended up trying the neighbors next to them. Um, they had a much bigger piece of land. And what we learned was there was another guy hunting her property and she basically told us, no, um, she's given him exclusive rights. And she's like, but if you shoot something, you're more than welcome to come get it here. And you know, we always see the deer come over from there anyways. And she pointed at the neighbor's house. Well, what I figured out is this guy has been hunting the neighbors hard all year. (laughs) Just pressure, pressure, pressure. Oh, that's beautiful. And no one's hunting the house we just got permission at. Um, So we set up there and these bucks were betting on this hillside. And there was a real solid deer that I had an encounter with that we, we did not put in the video um, cause it was before daylight and it was just dark and I had him at 20 yards for about 15 minutes mm. and he left before sunrise, but, um, the rest of it, I guess you're just going to have to hopefully tune in and watch, but, um, was fortunate to yeah. tag out and, you know, get it done. 
Yeah, it's really a great season and way to pound it out. And I have to say, you know, not that I'm anybody, but I highly recommend that you guys check this video out. Check out their channel as well. But this video in particular is very well done. And um, if you have an appreciation for uh, self-filming and, you know, the editing side of things and everything, there are some very artistic shots and... Um, as a Cincinnati guy myself, it just screams 513 at you. And I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this that aren't from around here and don't know as much about it, but, um, if you hunt around here, you'll understand it. So, uh, check that out. Um, uh, before we close, I want to kind of get, uh, a few little pointers for everybody or whatever, just, um on what you're using as far as equipment. So uh, you mentioned you're a saddle hunter and you said something about using muddy sticks. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I ran four muddies this year. Four muddies. Okay. No aiders. Uh, I, I keep an aider in my pack. It's just a single step. If I want to get a little higher, I, okay. I put it on. Okay. Uh, but I run um, do, do any stand hunting at all? Yeah. Um, I have a hanging hunt set. It's, it's older and it's heavy. Uh, I have a climber. Um, when we hunt at our family farm, we hunt uh, permanently hung sets. I still bring my saddle out there and move around. Okay. Um, okay. But I probably hunted from a saddle. You know, I sat 46 times this year. Okay. Um, I killed my deer on my 46 sit. And of those 46 sits, probably 38 were in a saddle. Oh, wow. Uh, two were in a blind. Maybe three or four were in a blind. Did you pull um, uh, any all-day sits at all in a saddle? Uh, no, not this year. I, I tried it once last year and I got to about, uh, that seven hour mark and I got down and moved and changed my spot and stretch. Cause yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure it's you can tough do it. to do an all, all day sit period, but it's not comfortable in a saddle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can imagine. I'm sure some guys have their system that's better than mine and they can do it. Um, for me, I, I, I hit that six hour mark and I get real antsy and I, I got to get up and I feel you. Yeah, um, for sure. Saddle makes that tough. Yeah, that's where I think I'd probably hit a blind or a stand or something once I get to November. Because to me, 10 to like 3, 9 to 3, that's like, I'd almost rather just sleep in yeah. and be there from 9 to 3 and then leave almost. I can't do that because you never know what could happen, but it just seems like God flips a switch and deer just start running around midday and you're like whoa yeah what the heck um my uncle shot that big one at 12 30 wow midday first deer he saw all day that's the other thing that i can't say enough about the rut everybody thinks the rut's like so great i hate it because all the patterns go to hell and i mean that's literally how it goes you could be sitting there and not see a deer all day long and then boom here comes the biggest deer of your life or you just don't see a deer all day and then you go to the same tree the next day and you see 15 and there's deer running everywhere it's just there's like no rhyme or reason to it almost mm -hmm. um so as far as filming what kind of camera are you running um i started off with the uh sony ax53 I bought that a couple years ago. Um, I got away from that and got the Sony a6400. Okay. 
Um, reason being is you get that 120 frames per second. It allows you to do a lot more with uh, okay. speed ramps, transitions, slow motion. Um, you can transition better from clip to clip when you can control the frame rate. Sure. Um, little stuff like that. Um, I'll, it, it's much harder to film a hunt with because you're using a DSLR. You're not using a camcorder. Um, okay. You know, with my, my Sony A53, that's a camcorder. I would hook up a, uh, not a Verizoom. The Sony doesn't take the Verizoom, but it's like a knockoff, um, where okay. you can control the zoom sure. from your, your, uh, God, those are thumb. nice. They are. It self-filming. It is so much, so helpful. Oh yeah. Um, but I, I fell in love with that 6400. I liked it a lot. And it's kind of like a, I bought it. I want to use it. Um, so I stuck with that the whole year. Okay. I use that every hunt this year. And then do you use any cameras for second angle, third angle? Uh, it's a GoPro here seven. I think we okay. have. Um, I have the four too. I usually only bring one of them. Um, sure. But I ran that on my tether with a, just a, a clip. Really? Um, so then. You know, it's coming up my face and then using the camera, the main camera nice. for all the normal That's angles. That's pretty solid. Um, it worked. It worked. Um, do you feel like you have anything as far as hunting or filming equipment that you would consider a game changer? Probably the drone. Okay. Um, I mean, to me... I know some guys don't use a drone, but to me, it's a great way to give perspective on where you're at. Um, sure. You know, it gives a whole nother look and feel. Uh, it's great for transitioning clips and, you know, showing a change of area and change of time. Um, okay. And I bought that Mavic Mini, and that thing is a beast. <laughs> I, I Believe it or not, turkey hunting last year, I sunk one in a river. Um, I took off before it connected to GPS, sunk it. Um, devastated. They sent me a new one, um, said it was a GPS connection fault. I got a new one for free. Wow. DJI is real cool about that. So really, they, they, they track everything you do with that thing. It, it caches the footage as you take the footage. So at one point I was watching the footage took in with my drone that was in the bottom of the river <laughs> with the DJI rep watching it crash. And he determined, cause it's, it, you're they're set up to cache the footage on their servers as you go and you can turn that off but i didn't turn it off and it happened to be what got me a new drone because they realized i lost control of the gps i couldn't i couldn't save it um so they they review the footage they take it through a review process and they sent me a new drone um for free pierce moore are you listening right now <laughs> my buddy pierce lost his drone uh similar yeah it it did not return. <laughs> it did not come back. Yeah, they're they're interesting, but that mini is nice because it. I got the fly more combo. It's in such a small kit yep. that I literally slip it in my backpack. I ran a Mystery Ranch pop up twenty eight. Okay. In that pop up twenty eight, I put my camera arm on the side. I put my sticks in the meat shelf. I put my saddle in the bag with my camera on top of it. Um, my jacket if I need it. Uh, my saddle platform goes between the sticks and the bag, and then the drone went in the bag with everything. I mean, I I'm going to have to see this setup. If I if I get a platform or a one sticking deal this year, um, I am going to invest in a nice sort of. I wouldn't quite call that a day pack. I don't know if you would, but 
so in between where you can take enough gear, but it's not like for a while when I started the saddle thing and uh, all that, I was taking my Tenzing uh, TZ6000 elk hunting pack. Wow. And it's, I mean, it's a big pack. And when you have that hanging in a tree with you, it's not exactly easy. <laughs> so uh, I'm definitely going to invest in a good pack to take that I can attach my weapon to and, uh, you know, sticks, platform, whatever, but also haul meat out if I need to. So Kafara just launched a XL version of their day pack, and it looks... Really? Yeah. I, I wanna, if I didn't just buy the Mystery Ranch, I'd probably get that. Check um, it out. I'm going to check that out. Have you looked, this is kind of not quite on that level, but have you looked at the Insight hunting packs? I have. Um, John Schultz, who hunts with us, uh, has one. Does a lot. Um, for Looks me, like something good for a self-filmer, but once you get an animal, I don't know what you'd do. Uh, yeah. Go that, back and get another pack. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> get the other one. That's why I got the Mystery Ranch, is the okay. ability to pack something out um one thing i'm going to be doing this coming year at um i'm changing i think it's made by a company called peak they have the ability to attach a dslr to your backpack strap and just like it yeah. pops in a lot of the elk hunters run I, them. born and raised yeah 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 and for public land if what would happen that i ran into is 99 percent of the time i was just carrying my camera in my hand because you want to film you're set up, you're walking, sure. stuff happens, you're running into people. Um, and when I was putting it in my backpack, I wasn't getting any of that. Sure. You know? And so I want to get the ability to attach it to that strap. I think it'd be huge. All right. Another, uh, another thing I like about that freaking cell phone, man. It's not the greatest, but God, it's convenient. Yeah. Um, that's good stuff, man. Uh, what, um, what software you run for editing? Uh, Final Cut Pro. Final Cut Pro? Okay. I uh, was a Mac guy. Um, okay. Learned on iMovie and moved into Final Cut. I've looked at Premiere Pro um, by Adobe. And I, the more I research them both, um, I find you pretty much can do anything with either of them. Really? Uh, yeah. They're, they're both, if you've never, if you're looking at software, the biggest thing, if I could make a recommendation, would be pick something that's popular. And the reason being you pick something that's popular is because there's going to be so much YouTube videos out there to teach you how to do it. If you pick the random software that is the cheapest or, or whatever, you're going to have a lot less resources to learn from. Um, there's a lot of sites for Adobe Premiere Pro, for Final Cut Pro that you can go find title plugins. You can find transition plugins. Um, it It's a quick way to um, try to level up your game a little bit and learn. This is the gospel of the Lord, too, because plain and simple, if there weren't those YouTube videos for people to watch, I would not have released anything yet. I wouldn't know how to edit. Like, uh, I probably could be editing things, but... And I think... I always wonder... <laughs> we probably obsess over this stuff, and most people don't even know what the hell we've done, and you know, with certain things like a, a cross dissolve or what, you know, certain transitions and where you're like, Ooh, I got it. Ooh. Mm, yeah. Okay. 
they're just like, yeah, I don't care. I scrolled through or whatever. And you're just like, Ugh, watch it. <laughs> Took all. me four hours. <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't think, not that I'm anything great yet or anything like that. Hopefully one day I can be really good at this. But uh, I feel like from the first thing I did to now even is a lot better. And I've got a lot of stuff to work on. But I would not have improved in any way if I didn't have those videos to watch. So that is extremely good advice if you're uh, advice if you're looking to self-film and edit your own stuff. It's extremely expensive to pay somebody else. Um, and hopefully I can charge some of you that are listening a bunch of money to do that one day. But um, that, that's amazing advice. Um, what... Uh, how, how long have you been editing your stuff? Um, so I've been editing hunting videos for probably three years. Okay. Um, got into video editing from my work basis, um, but finally really taking it serious probably the past year. Okay. Like I, I learned the basics editing. I learned how to edit, um, but to try to take it to that next level was probably this year. That okay. I really pushed it hard. I feel like you nailed it, man. I, uh, you know, you're it's not that any of the other videos were bad or anything. And I know you're not always in control because you weren't the main person hunting and filming the whole time, but uh, watching this, it was very well put together. And again, guys, you need to check it out. Um, Bow hunting Cincinnati by the hunting junkies. Uh, check them out on YouTube. Uh, like them on Facebook and Instagram. You got any other accounts? Uh, no. Okay. Um, how about some closing thoughts, man? Uh, closing thoughts. If you're a suburban guy, maybe consider trying some public. If you're a public guy, maybe try considering some, uh, suburban or small parcel hunts. Don't knock each other. It's all hunting and we're all better when we work together than when we divide ourselves. Um, Chris, just thank you for having me. It's yeah. a pleasure Anytime, to man. meet people like you that are one helping people get in the outdoors, but helping them do it the right way. Yeah. Amen to that. People, I appreciate uh, it. Appreciate um, that. Well, we've, we've found our dude here. Uh, we're, we're going to, you guys are going to see us do some cool things this fall, maybe this spring and summer. We plan on doing a little collaborating. And the cool thing is, is this isn't a person that lives in Iowa or Canada, or something like that. He's right down the road, basically an hour away. And so uh, we're planning on getting together and doing some filming and, and bringing some cool stuff to you guys. So uh, I guess my closing thought is, uh, you know, first off, thank you for making the drive to come out here and have a beer with me and talk a little bit about your season and everything. And um, I'm sorry for everybody that you didn't get to hear my wonderful fellow host, gorgeous voice in the podcast. <laughs> um, the guy's got a great voice. And and. If you edit this out, I'll kill you, Rick. <laughs> um, no, I just, I, I want to say uh, this kind of sounds sort of cliche or whatever, and I talk about it a lot on the page. Um, keep our, our officer uh, that just lost his life, uh, his family and friends in your prayers. Um, I'm unable to pronounce his last name simply because I don't want to mispronounce it. So, uh, but just... For those of you in Ohio, you know who I'm talking about. I believe his first name was Jason, and uh, he was trying to rescue a young girl who fell through the ice. And, you know, we, we take our, 
our green guys just as serious as our blue and uh, the gray as well. Can't leave them out. Um, but keep them uh, all in your prayers. And, uh, you know, if there's anything you can do to help out, donate, whatever, um, maybe do a little bit of something like that to help them through this tough time because that's extremely difficult to deal with. One day the guy's doing his job and the next day he's not here and he's got a family and friends that no longer have him. So pray for them. Well, this has been Fueled by the Outdoors. I don't do this as well as Rick Cates does because it's my first time ever. But uh, we have been joined by uh, Hunting Junkies. Would you consider yourself the CEO, by the way? Are you guys LLC? We we have an LLC, yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Man, this is all good stuff. Um, and we've been joined by Corey Godar. Godar. Ah, thank God. All right. <laughs> and uh, we appreciate you all listening, guys. Take care. Have a good night. And that will do it for our podcast today. Please remember to subscribe, like, review on all major podcasting platforms. We are available on Apple, Google, TuneIn, CastBox, Spotify, and all other major podcasting platforms. As always, we are available for contact at theeliteoutdoors1 at gmail.com. That is theeliteoutdoors, the number one, at gmail.com. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you next time. Hey, everybody. This is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast, a show where we sit down with outdoorsmen of the Ozark Mountains region to talk all things hunting and fishing. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts on everything from bear hunting, to fishing for smallmouth and trout, and discussing big questions like what happened to all the quail in the southeast. If you're enjoying this show, then I know you'll enjoy the Ozark Podcast. You can listen to the show on all podcasting platforms and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.